1: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp.
2: This is The Hash Podcast.
1: Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world all on The Hash for your ears.
0: You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network.
2: Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. You are watching The Hash on Coindesk TV. And if you're listening to us, you're listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jen Assi. We got Wendy O and Zach here with us today. Zach, you are kicking us off. What do you got?
0: Hey. Happy Monday, folks. Let's do this thing. So, news came out this morning from USDC stablecoin issuer Circle. They were calling off their plans to go public through a special purpose acquisition company that would have valued them at about eight billion, up to nine billion, depending on when they were announcing. They're gonna they're gonna wait on that. They're not gonna do that. That's been canceled, and that's what was announced this morning. Some interesting nuggets in their announcements. A nice thread from uh, CEO Jeremy Allaire, among other things, but them going public at least through this back is currently on hold we'll talk about potentially why right now jen what are your thoughts
2: yeah i think it would have been optimistic to think that circle would have been able to get to this ipo by the end of the year just given the scrutiny that's on stable coins and the industry because of the events of the last few months i know in the announcement they said that it was just a lot to get through with the SEC as the SEC kind of becomes a little bit stricter with the application process. So I am not surprised that this IPO is paused. And I'm not surprised that the hoops that they need to jump through with the SEC are maybe a little bit tighter than they thought. That said, I agree with Jeremy Allaire's Twitter thread. I thought that it was great. He said that stable coins will play a huge part in offering utility value. It made me think back to when we spoke about the World Economic Forum that happened a few months ago, stable coins were really a big topic of conversation there, especially when it came to remittances. So I, I don't think this is bad for stable coins. I'm not surprised. I think stablecoins will continue to push the crypto narrative uh, forward when it comes to mainstream adoption. And so I read this and I thought, okay, not surprised, but here we are. Wendy, what did you think? So
1: I've got a lot of thoughts with this. It actually makes perfect sense that they're not going public right now, especially with all the drama that happened via FTX. Another important thing too. I do believe that USDC is one of the native stable coins for Solana. People like to use that. Solana is under a lot of heat with the FTX debacle. Well, I guess this is off the record. I don't know, but I do think, well, no, it's on the record because I say it on my show. I really think that USDC is going to be the stable coin of the US. It's going to be all our CBDC. I just kind of a gut feeling I have. I'm happy to be wrong, but I just feel like they have so many big players that are kind of probing into them that they've worked with, et cetera. And it does make sense that they did not go through and become public. Um, part of the reason being is the SEC is also under a lot of heat with the whole FTX thing too. I feel like a lot of people are in a lot of trouble and there's a whole lot of uncertainty happening. We don't know what's going to happen with regulational clarity when it comes to crypto. We know that we're getting hounded for regulation, but at the same time, the regulation that they want to push through, especially now after the FTS debacle, is not going to be the regulation that we're going to want. So it does make sense that Circle is not going public yet. And they're kind of just taking a step back and trying to explore the waters and seeing exactly what needs to be done. And who knows, maybe they're under investigation as well.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff here. I don't know about the investigation stuff. I'm sure that a lot of regulators are knocking on a lot of doors in terms of regulated crypto entities are probably getting some check-ins, some friendly check-ins. Hey, you guys got all those funds you say you have? So maybe that's happening, but we do not know that. That's just speculation at this point. I think, you know, you look at USDC, there's like 43 billion in USDC in circulation across a bunch of different chains. So this has become really a foundational element of the crypto ecosystem. And I think, interestingly enough, you know, Jeremy Allaire is out here in his tweet thread sharing some numbers that suggest, you know, that the firm is in relatively good health, right? At a time when many others are crippled and are having a hard go of it. Jeremy Allaire tweeted in his thread that uh, the firm clocked something like 274 million in revenue in Q- Q3 including $43 million in net income. So some interesting numbers that are also out there, maybe to, to downplay uh, some of the histrionics that could follow an announcement such as this. I know this one was, was pretty uh, anticipated, right? This was one of the bigger crypto SPACs that we would have seen. We're talking about a $9 billion company that would have hit the public markets by way of a SPAC. Maybe th- sort of like the optimistic or hopium view is that now Circle can hold off for maybe a direct listening similar to what Coinbase did in April, 2021, or maybe a proper IPO even that brings it to the public markets with a bit more fanfare. So it's going to be interesting to see how they weather the storm, how they maintain those reserves, how they keep the business operational until the next bull run where potentially stable coins play an even more pronounced role in transacting value, both, you know, uh, within chains across chains and from chains uh, back to the world of fiat currencies. So Circle certainly a key player, even if the SPAC is called off here on this Monday. Jen, kicking it to you.
2: Well, I just want to correct myself. I said IPO a lot during my commentary, but it is not an IPO. It is a SPAC. And those are two different ways to go public. So sorry, viewers, for confusing you. We can move on to Wendy's story.
1: Yes, let's get into my story because mine is an easy story. and This is also a very happy story. Very, very happy. So minting of Reddit, avatar tokens climbed to record high over the weekend. And this could be potentially due to our Basel and Miami and essential and all of the fun, fun things. And I was there. It was an absolute blast. But apparently they set a new minting record of over 255,000 this weekend. And yes, they are Polygon based NFTs. Full disclosure, I have a moon bag of Polygon. It is one of my favorite projects because I think it is going to do well. Not financial advice. The previous high was 200,000 in August, just after the launch. And the avatars are stored, managed on Reddit's crypto wallet vault and it allows you to earn blockchain-based community points. That's very interesting. I feel like that is probably the most important part of the story because if you're able to hold these NFTs and earn blockchain-based community points, is that a security? Is it not a security? Like how is that going to, what's going to happen with that? Because Reddit is a huge, huge company and they have to be very careful what type of products they put out.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to do a quick shout out. It's most influential day at CoinDesk. So, uh, those are, that's a, a big old series of pieces looking at those who sort of shape the crypto economy for good and ill in 2022. And the Reddit project lead named Polly Bott made the cut here. And I think deservedly so because he's sort of championing this, uh, movement of maybe obscuring the technology and letting the content speak for itself in the world of NFTs, right? These are collectibles famously. And it's something that I think has resonated with a lot of people who traditionally had been hesitant to embrace NFTs because they were just some other newfangled crypto, quote unquote, scam, right? So the fact that this is something that has found sort of mainstream embrace, not by virtue of the token standard, but by virtue of it being a cool thing that a cool platform that you already love is rolling out seems to be something that a lot of people in the crypto space are looking to emulate going forward with their launches. Of their nfts or their collectibles so shout out to most influential check out that piece a lot of great content hit the web today in that package and the reddit guy is certainly in the group for this year's class so tossing to you jen
2: yeah i think that we have so much to learn from this project right reddit has such a strong community they launched this project they completely changed the way that they introduced the project to the community and and this is really different from probably all or most of the NFT projects that we've seen launch over the past year. And we've t- talked about on the show, Zach, to your point that we're going to see this happen a lot more as we move forward. I was at a conference recently and, and someone asked me, like, do you know what NFT project is like, doing the best right now? And I said, I think it's Reddit. And they were like, yeah, but I don't think that that this momentum is going to continue. I think they just got lucky with a few headlines. And so when I saw this, I was just so excited that that person was wrong. No offense to that person, but I I love that this is still going strong and Reddit has really leveraged the community that they built without NFTs and without blockchain technology. And I think that they are showing that NFTs can exist in a mainstream world. They can exist with mainstream brands who have already built communities. We just maybe need to talk about NFTs a little bit differently. Wendy? I kind
1: of want to just mention This part from the article data shows us there are currently over 3.7 million Reddit users holding a total of 4.4 million of the avatars. The way that the NFT project works on Reddit is that they don't have like the 20,000 or the 10,000 generative pieces. They're actually like it's completely different. So I think that this is going to stick. I think that this is kind of what we need for mass adoption. And I think that this is a perfect utility for NFTs just to kind of get started and make people feel safe. And that they know that they have a valid utility because who doesn't want a cute profile picture? I know that
2: I do. We all do.
0: Cute PFPs only. We only do cute PFPs here. That's, that's, <laughs> we do. that's facts. Of tacos. That's facts, people. Come on now. That's awkward. Yes. Our, our, our taco <laughs> PFP project yet to launch. That's major alpha right there. Anyway, yeah. Keep an eye on Reddit. I mean, I think, like, you know, they've long been in the Web3 conversation and it always seemed like they were just talking about it. But now I think we're starting to see them actually do the damn thing. And I think this has been a pretty successful uh, go-to-market for Reddit on the NFT front.
1: Times are tough, particularly for crypto, but Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest-running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why crypto Compare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net.
2: We are getting into our usual doom and gloom news. So it's a bear market. I think that we can expect to see more layoffs as we head deeper into this bear market. Uh, Crypto exchange Bybit said that they are laying off 30% of their workforce. CEO Ben Zhu said the firm is trying to refocus amid a deepening bear market. All of this while Australian crypto exchange SwiftX cut 90 jobs, citing the contagion caused by FTX. Wendy, I'm going to kick this one off to you. I know you've been away the past few days, but we've been continuing our coverage on the layoffs that have been happening in crypto and the tech industry at large. What do you make of this news?
1: I just its really sad to me. And it's kind of disappointing to see so many layoffs because this is a time that we're supposed to be building and making things a lot easier and accessible for everybody to use. Because really, even though... like When I first got into crypto end of 2017, really the only place to buy Bitcoin that was super easy was Coinbase. Everybody used Coinbase. And now we have all of these different apps that we can use, all these different platforms, but it's still kind of complex. Like, Copying and pasting a wallet address in is a little bit scary because if you screw up, then you lose your crypto and then all the KYC, like all the different steps. So to see these people lay off part of their workforce and we should be building is, you know, it sucks. It's not a good feeling. But um, the folks over at Bybit, they've always been super cool. And I'm sure that hopefully they'll, you know, they're still solvent, which is good from what we've heard. <laughs> so but it's just really sad and a little bit disappointing. And I hate it. Wendy,
0: finding the silver lining there. Yeah, the layoffs, man, they're going to continue until morale improves around here. We saw 1100 folks let go from Kraken. That was pretty staggering in terms of the number of people who were let go from a pretty yeah, pretty foundational and important exchange. Uh, That was attributed to just growing too fast, right? They cut 1100 folks. They're back to their headcount number from 12 months ago. But still, that's 1100 people who may or may not have come on in that 12 month span who are now looking for what's next. So first of all, layoffs suck. Definitely thoughts out to those who will be affected by these announced cuts. Just goes to show that the crypto market is contracting, right? And this is what happens in periods of contraction. Price go down, headcount go down. And this is not the first time that Bybit has had to announce layoffs, right? We saw this in June of this year already. And now they're cutting back even further in response to this sort of second shoe to drop with FTX and more. Tossing it back to Wendy. Saw your hand up there, Wendy. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I just want, I wanted to pull something up really quick. So Bybit, they have a decentralized platform like a Dex, um, Apex, and I believe that it's newer. So it's kind of bizarre that they're laying folks off when they have this newer platform that seems that they would need to have more people to make sure that it's working properly. Because even though things are decentralized, they still need people to code and to make sure stuff is working properly. So interesting.
2: I can't speak to who by bit is laying off, but I know that across some of the other layoffs we've seen, the builders still very much have a job. It's the people who are working in other departments, but maybe uh, exchanges are pulling back on their marketing spend or their HR costs. And we're seeing those jobs go first. I can't speak to what either of these exchanges are doing, but I think that that's a trend we've seen in some of the previous layoffs. I hope that we can watch this and learn. And instead of saying that the businesses and the firms and the exchanges, need to prepare for these trends and bear markets. I hope that us, everyone who works in the industry also watches this news and, and thinks about ways that you know you can prepare for the future because it does suck. But you know, if you have a backup plan, I know not everyone can afford the thought of a backup plan. But if you have some kind of backup plan you're thinking of, I think that that will just prepare you for this when it happens inevitably again during the next bear market.
0: And it's not just exchanges, right? I think we're going to see these contractions announced across other service providers in the space, right? Who ramp up in good times and necessarily need to cut back in bad. This is a pretty deep crypto winter with some pretty severe body blows in the form of FTX in the form of three Arrows capital. So the fact that this is happening now certainly makes a ton of sense, especially after Kraken was sort of first to announce a pretty significant round of layoffs. So expect more of this. Uh, I, I don't think these layoffs are quite done just yet. Uh, and at least Bybit is in some way going public with this, though it appears that this was done mostly through reporting on Coindesk's end. All right, we're moving on. We got one last story of the day, and Jen is taking that one as well. Jen, what do you got?
2: All right. Wendy's going to love this one because it has to do with NFTs and Polygon. So we went to a sad story, but we're bringing it right back to end the show on a high note. So Lens Protocol, the social media platform by Ave, has acquired Sonar. Sonar is a mobile app whose users have piloted NFT linked to avatars in digital worlds. So this is Lens's first acquisition, which is pretty interesting because we're in such a deep, deep bear market. And it plans to integrate its decentralized profile system with Sonar's avatars to create a singular identity within its metaverse. Zach, a lot going on here, but pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Web3 Social is ever going to work, it better work right now with Twitter allegedly imploding, bursting at the seams. Everyone's talking about Mastodon or whatever, or trying new things. And now is the moment. You're just not seeing a lot of noise about it. But I guess if you look under the hood and you look at according to certain, you know, Dune Analytics dashboards, Lens Protocol saw its biggest month in November, right? People trying this thing out, Web3 Social, in a way that works for them. So I feel like now is the moment, maybe Aave, maybe maybe the team at Lens recognizes that and maybe they're in a position to bring some more talent into the fold such that Web3 Social can sort of finally click because I feel like now, like it's got to be the moment, right, Wendy? Like now is the moment with all these people thinking about whether or not they continue their social media lives in Web2 or try something new. And Lens, I think, is probably one of the preeminent examples of what Web3 Social could be, but I don't know.
1: So somebody that's an avid content creator, because I'm literally on every single platform, there's a lot of features that the people that are building these platforms do not take into account. They don't take into account user user experience, UI, UX, how easy it is, auto upload, so many different things. Because people reach out to me all the time. They're like, Wendy, try my decentralized platform. There's a couple things that I always ask for. They're like, Oh no, well, we don't offer those. And I'm like, then why would I leave my Web2 platforms To build an audience on your Web3 platform when it doesn't do the basic things that I need it to do. So if you're somebody who's building a platform, or if you're somebody that's watching this that is working on a platform, please listen to your content creators. Listen to your audience because all that's going to end up happening is you're going to create these really great social media platforms for Web3, but they're going to end up failing because they're not doing what users want. In order for web, um, Web3 web platforms to do well, they need to be very similar to some of the Web2 platforms, but make it so that blockchain technology, if that's what you're using, is absolutely seamless, that people do not know what they're using, that they're just able to merge over to Web3 social media platform and use it just like they would their Web2 platform, but it still has the same features, but it either is encompassing more privacy or ownership or however it is that you're building. And I do think it would be very interesting to use an app That has um, similarities of YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok all in one. Because let's face it, especially all the stuff that we saw last week, it is actual people that are breaking news stories and not censoring themselves because we've caught MSM censoring themselves.
2: Wendy, I think you're absolutely right. When I set up my lens profile, I ran into just a few, I think, kind of. Buggy things, like I couldn't set it up on one browser, so I had to try another browser, and I actually had to speak to people at Ave to figure this out, and I'm not a dumb person. I just think it wasn't working on the I don't know what was going on, and I can understand how this would be super frustrating for someone who doesn't engage in Web3 products at all. and so I think now is the time Zach to have these platforms out there, but if they're not easy to use and they're still very much in beta, which they are, I don't think that the audience is going to come. And I think we're kind of a long way out from these Web3 platforms acting like an Instagram or a Facebook or TikTok. And I really do think that the value prop needs to be, this is the better Twitter or this is the better Instagram and here's why. And we're not saying that it's better because it uses blockchain or there are NFTs involved. There needs to be a real reason that creators and people who use social media today can see that it's better. And that is the end of my rant. Zach.
0: I saw Wendy wanted to get in. I'll just say, you know, there's a quote from Stani from Ave floating around, the founder of Ave Protocol, who's also associated with Lens in some capacity. He's saying this is really about, you know, upping our mobile app strategy, right? And I think, like, Jen, you're right. This needs to be mobile first, needs to be user friendly, needs to be accessible and fun and cool. Unlike a lot of these protocols that, you're right, leave a lot to be wanting in terms of user experience. So if I had to sort of read between the lines, this may be more of an aqua hire in terms of getting some smart people who are building mobile apps and making them cool, getting getting those people in the door so that they can uh, ramp up their mobile approach as they bring Lens to more people, right? And I think that is promising, interesting, potentially exciting, but I think there's still a lot of challenges that need to be solved. Wendy? Take it.
1: I guess my closing thought with this is, is most celebrities, athletes, people with very, very large followings, they have other people posting on their social media platforms for them. It's not them. Like if you see celebrity A, it's literally not them most of the time. They have PR companies or marketing that's doing it. And if these people can't figure out how to use these decentralized Web3 platforms, they're not going to take off. Yes, you can grow a base with just you know your average folks on there, which is totally fine. But at the same time, they're really looking towards all of these big, big, big names to come over. And it's really a turnoff for a lot of them from my personal experience, what I've seen and who I've talked to as far as consulting on the back end. So hopefully we get it together and we start building things in crypto that are easy to use for the masses, for people that like myself, just average moms that just want to go on social media and have a good time and not have to use 13 different browsers. Cause sometimes I forget I have to use a different browser with a different platform and it sucks.
0: I mean, I think it goes back to like iOS, right? Like we saw this news out of I think it was Coinbase recently that coin in Coinbase wallet, the self-custodial wallet, NFT functionality was disabled because they alleged Apple wouldn't let them have that in their latest release. So right. So I think like there is that hurdle that a lot of these teams are facing, is that at the hardware level, it's not exactly a level playing field for some of these upstart firms that are looking to create those successful mobile experiences, right? Because if you can't support the in-app functionality that is native to what crypto is really about, right? True ownership of some of these assets, and you're facing, I don't know what, your 30% tax for something that's in an Apple environment, that's a pretty like significant hurdle. So I think stepping back, there are sort of not, you know, not macroeconomic in the broader sense, but bigger economic issues that these teams are facing when they're trying to get to market in a way that is uh, at par with some of the Web2 offerings currently out there. But it's tough. Jen?
2: I think, Wendy, to your point earlier, it's, it's the season to build, right? And so now I think is when platforms should be building the technology, building their platforms, figuring out this user experience thing. And then in the next bull cycle, we can start to try and attract some of those celebrity influencers. I think right now, if we were going to, you know, and I say we, like I work at Lens or Ave, I don't. If, if they were going to go out there and try to attract celebrities, I think it's pretty bad time given what's happened with FTX and how many celebrities have been burned in the industry. You don't think so? No,
1: I, I had a couple meetings with a couple places last week. And this is when a lot like this is when the people that are serious, this is when they're actually outbuilding and recruiting. Yeah, it's definitely happening. It's just you have to have the right connections, et cetera, and actually build something that people can use or they're excited to use. Zach? So the yeah,
0: celebrities
2: are not scared?
0: Dude, I don't know if you guys saw this one, but there was a Ledger product placement in the new Metro Boomin' video. I saw that.
2: Did you see this? Did I you did see, that? see that. That so was shocking. cool. It's anyway. true. I'm, I'm winding back Ledger on my thoughts here. there. I'm backpedaling. I'm backpedaling. All
0: right, it's okay. It's okay. All right. <laughs> Wind it all the way back. We'll run it back tomorrow. We'll do it again. It's the hash. That's what we do here. We run back the thoughts. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks for being here on a Monday. I'm Zach Seward, Jen Sinassi, Wendy O. Another plug for Coindesk's most influential package. A lot of work went into that one from a lot of writers and reporters, and editors even. So go check that out. A lot of good stuff there. A nice snapshot of a crazy year in crypto history. All right, that's it for The Hash today. We'll see you tomorrow. That's it. Bye now. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network.
1: Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.